Hi, listeners. Rachel here with an exciting announcement. We are holding a summer book club bingo game, and there is a card that you can download, a bunch of prompts for different types of books that you can choose to read to play the game along with us. All the instructions and information on how to sign up are at rachelthompson.co slash book club, where you can get your card. And you'll also be able to enter your card to win prizes throughout the summer months. So that's from May to September. We'll be running this book club bingo. I hope you will sign up and uh, read some cool books and be inspired to do some more writerly reading this summer. So all the information is at rachelthompson.co slash book club. Welcome, Luminous Writers, to the Write, Publish, and Shine podcast. I am your host, author and literary magazine editor, Rachel Thompson. This podcast explores how to write and share your brilliant writing with the world. In each episode, we delve into specifics on how to polish and prepare your writing for publication and the journey from emerging writer to published author. In this episode, it is my absolute pleasure to talk to Rowan McCandless about finding your writing community. Rowan is someone who is part of my writing community, and it is the better for it. She's someone deeply committed to the craft of writing and a writer who really lifts up other writers. Rowan and I talk about her experience finding her writing community, and as much as there are positive, joyful experiences, she also describes a negative, racialized encounter in a writing course that she took early on. I mention this in particular for my racialized listeners who may want a heads up before hearing this. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rowan McCandless, in the Write, Publish, and Shine podcast. I actually want to introduce, this is something maybe this is not in the recording part, but I, w- I want to introduce you, and I'm stymied by that because of your, because of your lovely website that, um, that I'm very familiar with, because it's, it's kind of nonlinear in the introduction, and then I was trying to find one from your publisher, so I'm just wondering, I know you so well. But I know you, you know, as someone who's writing fiction, creative nonfiction, you have a forthcoming book of essays. Um, You've won prizes like the Constant Rook Prize, your finalist for the Journey Prize. What else would you like me to include from from your bio? I would like to include the uh, National Magazine Awards where I won gold and also received an honorary mention for one of a kind storytelling. That was just this year. So that was really, that was really exciting. Yeah. And that was the piece from the Fiddlehead that was a, a visual memoir. And the reason I'm stymied, I'm, I'm going to include this. I've decided to, to include this because I think it's so interesting and, and something really cool about you is you really are a visual storyteller. You. So your about page has this whole sort of visual patchwork that you can enter into at any point to kind of get the bio. And that was the piece that you won for as well, too was in that kind of form. As you know, I invited you here today to talk about writing community. And it's kind of a continuation of some conversations that we had in little snippets here and there. And one time you said to me that writing community kept you writing, that you started writing on your own, but then you need you knew at a certain point you knew you needed to seek out community and that sustained your writing. Can you tell me more about this and, and what that looked sure. like for you? For me, the ways that community sustained my writing um, from the get-go was that having left a domestic abuse situation, 
almost four years ago, I was pretty isolated when it came to connections with people. And so by attending writing workshops and online courses and conferences, those were ways for me to meet other writers and form friendships and foster community. And these beautiful writers supported and encouraged me to keep on writing during the, the most, one of the most difficult periods uh, that I've gone through. And what does that look like for me in terms of, in terms of uh, community and it helping to sustain my writing? That um, one, it's the ongoing friendships and conversations. And two, it's that I have a number of different groups that I make use of to help foster my writing. For example, I do um, two one-on-one workshops with another writer. Um, I have an accountability group. I have writing meetups where we spend an hour writing together. And I have two different in-person writing groups, although with COVID, we've now moved online. And and how has this changed for you? Because when I met you, you were starting to send work out. Um, I think by then, actually, you had won a prize with Room, or you've yep. been shortlisted, at least for the yep. prize. Yeah. And And I'm wondering how, now that you're on the cusp of really becoming... A published author, your your book of essays are coming out next year. How has writing community changed for you over your journey to be a soon-to-be-published author? I think it's changed in that it's grown. I have many more connections than I did when I started, and that I find that people are just so generous in terms of offering support and encouragement and cheerleading me on when it comes to my writing. I don't really find that much of a difference. Do you find a difference between, so you mentioned you have this local in-person writing community and that's in Winnipeg. And then, you know, we've never met in the flesh, which is so strange to think about um, because of the fact that, you know, I feel really connected to you in writing community. And I think you have other writers, you know, all over the world really who are connected to you in that way. So what is the difference you know, barring the COVID times where everything's online, but between local and in-person community, writing community versus online? Both are, both are supportive. Both offer me similar support, um, the online community on a much broader scale. With my online community, however, I've made good friends from not only across Canada, but also in different countries. Um, so whether it's in person or online, both communities are very important to me, and that uh, the strong connections are there. I very much feel that we're we're cheerleading each other on, and to me, that's a very important part of community. Is that rise? We all rise together as others uplift your right, you and your writing. It's then I feel my job as a responsible and community member to also then do the same for other writers, that as we all rise, we all rise together. I just love that approach, the rising tide lifts all boats mm. concept. And I, I, I hesitate to ask, but then I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, sometimes maybe this is perceived or real, but there can be negative experiences in community, like gatekeeping. Have you experienced anything the, like that? Worst experience I've ever had was I attended a workshop on poetry 
And I was the only person of color in the room, which in some ways is always an initial red flag to me. So during the workshop, first off, one of one woman, one woman bemoaned the fact that, you know, many of her friends who are male poets were having difficulty being published because of, and I quote, all that diversity going around. And then at the same workshop, I had another participant come up to me during break. And she said to me that I would have no trouble getting published. So I asked her, like, why? And she said, well, that's because you're Indigenous. <laughs> so she didn't see me as a person. She couldn't see me as a writer. I was only a color to her or what she wanted to project onto me. So when I told her I wasn't Indigenous, she gave me this look like I was trying to pull one over on her. So that that was... Uh, a difficult workshop to sit through, I have to say. And I mean, how right it is to kind of make that assessment and go, OK, well, there are only white people in this room. I might not be safe in this room. Mm-hmm. And how these are definitely the people that you will not seek out for part of being part of our communities. For sure. For sure. <laughs> it's a much different feeling when when I'm in a workshop where it's all people of color. It's like we walk into the room and we all breathe the collective sigh of relief. So, yeah, there there is a difference, I find, in that, too. And knowing you won't be exposed to that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, you know, maybe there are people who are in a position of gatekeeping who who feel that way. And so I think part of community, and I'm wondering... If you agree, because I mean, you're saying that too about being in a in a workshop where you're only people of color. You know, okay, I can breathe this sigh of relief because we can help each other kind of navigate this world of of gatekeeping by some of these really ignorant, you know, people with ignorant points of view like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking about that negative experience you described in the workshop, I'm wondering if or how this might relate to any other experience with community you have in your history, like in growing up? Mm-hmm. That experience really, really holds um, a deep history um, growing up by being Black and biracial and not necessarily looking like any particular ethnicity. People always thought that they were in a position of authority to define me, that my identity had more to do with the perceptions of others than it did with me. So, yeah, it certainly does relate in terms of my past history, just that some 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 writers thought that they could make an assumption about who I am, and also the fact that I don't necessarily look like a person of color at times that some people will say things that perhaps they wouldn't ordinarily have said to me in person. So that's why I kind of wondered why, you know, um, that woman with the all that diversity comment, perhaps she didn't realize who was sitting in the room. But then I think, well, no, she she probably did know what was going on. So... I think, yeah, it does have, uh, it does ring deep with my growing up years and um, something that I still obviously come face to face with um, 
given that uh, situation with that particular workshop. And and this is thematic in some of your writing as well, too. It's obviously, I guess, imp- important in a sense to your personal history because it's part of your experience, although, you know, disappointing that that has to be the things that you're writing about. I'm wondering at, at this point, actually, if you want to t- talk a little bit about the essays and Persephone's children and and how and the you know the themes that you're exploring in the book sure um with Persephone's children um it's a series of thematically linked and um inventive essays um where I use different forms in order to go into the work I find just because of you know, talking about that personal family history or that personal history that's just, you know, directly affected me in the outside world, that um, there were stories that were important to tell. Um, And for me, the form is as important to Persephone's children as the content. Um, For example, one essay is written as a Q&A, another essay is written as a marital contract, another essay is written as an archaeological study, and there were re- very real reasons why it was written that way. Um, because when you leave a situation of domestic abuse, which is one of the themes of the book, um, you, don't remember, you don't remember everything, and you don't remember things necessarily um, in a sequential fashion, that it's all kind of fragmented and you remember bits of this and bits of that. So um, form, I say, would say, was, as, was uh, very important to me in terms of writing this book um, so that other people as well could see what was the possibilities in terms of what does memoir look like so that people feel that they could start mm-hmm. to tell their own stories, that that was important for me to kind of say, here, here are these stories that are written in this particular outlier fashion. We're going to take a quick break right now, but after the break, Rowan will read an excerpt from her forthcoming book of essays, Persephone's Children. The Write, Publish, and Shine podcast is presented by me, Rachel Thompson, and my course, Lit Mag Love. This is the five-week course that will help you get a big yes from a literary magazine, and then another, and then another. It's really a course that has helped a lot of people, uh, Rowan, my guest today included, to learn how to publish in literary magazines, and just to increase the professionalism in their writing practice, to turn it from a practice to a writing career. You can find out more about the Lit Mag Love course on rachelthompson.co slash litmaglove. That's at rachelthompson.co slash litmaglove. We open up the windows, trying to breathe new life into the house. I'm ashamed that my friends are seeing my home under such conditions. My home deserves better. I deserve better. Heather who is petite and brave and writing a memoir about the recent loss of her husband to cancer and who also runs a professional cleaning service and has offered to do the move-out cleaning as a gift to me, deserves better too. Bernie, whom I met through the community classroom and who gives the best of hugs, and her delightful husband Bill are in the basement, dealing with the disaster of a tool room. 
The area is overflowing with boxes, hardware, mismatched lamps, containers of leftover paint, dodgy craft supplies, and various thrift store finds. Tucked against the back wall is a dresser from my childhood, still waiting to be repainted and repurposed. They're tossing out anything that's dried up, rusted, missing pieces, or in disrepair, anything I won't use or that can't be donated. I'm fortunate to have their help, because if it was up to me, I'd be mulling over every paintbrush, every jar of mismatched nails, every piece of retro furniture waiting to be coated with milk paint. Every object tells a story, and I'm finding the letting go difficult. And that's Rowan McCandless reading from an inventory of wants and needs from her forthcoming book, Persephone's Children. So now that you're teaching and mentoring students, I'm wondering what you do to foster writing community with with your own students. Um, I very much encourage them to get to know one another and to engage in conversations on Slack. Um, Another thing that we've incorporated, that I've incorporated, is um, setting up Zoom calls where the group can get together and we just to touch base and to see how they're doing and how their writing is going. And I find that giving the opportunity both, you know, online in print and also online to, to, you know, video. And it makes a huge difference in terms of how that community starts to knit and come together. So I found that those, those are two very real ways that helps to foster community with my writing students. Having more like real-time conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. Is that what you mean? And to be able to have that time to meet face to face, I think I think especially maybe in these times, just to meet an actual human being is something that's that fosters that feeling of connection. So I really, you know, I really appreciate that there's this technology out there that that it's something that I can offer my students. For sure. One of the things that I've started doing in work, workshops that I've been holding with some of my students is like having ground rules for conversations and, you know, identifying those things that you you mentioned that were so egregious around, my, you know, what, what would be called microaggressions, but I think now is more apt to say just sort of racial attacks. Are there, do you feel the need to create those kind of ground rules or are you more selective about the mm-hmm. students that you approach or how do you, how do you work that? Um, I think it's a matter of going over the ground rules and just letting people know that, you know, we meet one another and with mutual respect and in somewhat of a sacred space and that um, to date I haven't had any problems with uh, any of the students that I've had in my classes. Yeah, and I wonder if that's, I mean, if in a workshop like that, how long ago was that experience that you had to be, you know, I don't want to dwell on that experience for, because I'm sure it was really hard, but, um, but also yeah. wondering, uh-huh. you know, I guess there's some kind of optimistic voice in my head that's saying, oh, maybe this has changed, but I, I'm, you know, certainly yeah, probably um, being naive about that. I don't know, maybe, you know, those particular people, they've, you know, had a change of thought or more cognizant of the words that fall out of their mouth. Yeah, I guess I wasn't thinking that, but more like they would know better than to oh. say them, I guess. I don't know. That's 
Yeah, see, I, I don't come with that particular approach. It's kind of like I have to go in, I guess, somewhat guarded because part of me expects something like that to happen. Um, yeah, I, which is unfortunate, but is it's just, you know, the, the way the way I can set up a boundary for myself in order to feel safe to enter that space. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. And, and I guess what I'm, you know, just kind of thinking is just how unfortunate for someone like, and how lucky we are that you persisted through this writing, you know, and went to find your writing community in spite of these really, you know, horrible, demeaning comments that you received early on. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering what you would say to writers listening and, and probably you'd have, you know, s- certain things that you'd want to say to pe- people of color who are listening, um, who racialized people who are writers who don't have a writing community and don't know where to start mm-hmm. building those connections. I would say, you know, in person, um, your lo- local library could be a resource. Um see if they're offering any community writing workshops that you get to meet other writers in that way. Um, Your province's Writers Guild, that they offer, you know, workshops and um, different activities, such as readings for people to get together. So that's another way that you can help, you know, begin to foster your writing community. Um, Attend local writing festivals and conferences is another way. Online classes, for sure, for me, was a way to build writing community. Um, so I took classes with people such as yourself, um, Nicole Breit, Shaleen Knight, and Catherine Mockler, and um, many opportunities to connect with other writers were fostered in that way. I am also, with COVID, attending online festivals and conferences, and, you know, seeing who you may meet and find compatible to maybe pursue as, as part of your writing community. Um, engage with writers on Twitter. Many are on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. So just find conversations that you're interested, that other writers are interested in, and to, you know, um, engage in that type of thing. And those all foster community as well as, um, I would say, submitting to LitMags. A great deal of my community has come from having submitted work to different literary magazines. They led to different opportunities to meet other writers in other ways. And so I would say that's another way for sure to help to start to build a writing community. When you talk about you know, engaging with lit mags, are you, you're obviously, you're building relationships with the editors at the lit mags and maybe you're attending readings with other writers who submitted in the issue. What are other things, I guess, that you've done or you've seen and that's been effective? Like have people reached out to you about your writing and you've forged connections that way? Can you walk me through a little bit of like the nitty gritty maybe of how those connections are made and sure i mean at first you know it would begin with the editors that you're working with um and then there may be you know some other person 
or persons who are, are attached to the lit mag that also need to work in conjunction with you. And, you know, editors are people too. So it's, <laughs> it's a way to, to meet uh, other people that way. And then I found that as my uh, submissions were accepted in various lit magazines, that then it's sort of you get to be known for certain pieces of writing and people are attracted to you as you kind of then see what their writing's all about and, and, and you say, yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. I want to know more. And that I found that every, yeah, every submission does led to every other opportunity and eventually to, to my book deal for Persephone's Children has all been based on connections. People who have who have, you know, um, supported and uplifted and uplifted and believed in my work. So I'm profoundly uh, grateful to to all of them. You, I think you met your editor that was through um, the Journey Prize. Is that right that they approached you? Or um, let me see. No, it was through it was through uh, Black Writers Matter that was edited by Whitney French. She had become an edit uh, acquisitions editor at Dundurn and she remembered my work and I was one of the first people she reached out to to ask if I had anything available and I luckily I was working working on Persephone's children at the time and it just sort of meshed and and worked out so yeah it was from the connection with an anthology to then connect, reconnecting um for the book brilliant I love that story is there are there any kind of final things you wanted to share with us about what you think of when you think of writing community and yeah writing community my final thoughts i think about writing in community that it's something that's really crucial to a person's writing life writing is such a solitary act that you you need to have community to to talk to and, you know, um, review each other's work with and offer that support. I think it's so important because, because writing is such a solitary act and that, you know, you'll, you'll meet so many incredible people and, and be able to learn from them and they to learn from you. And I just think that's like a beautiful thing. So those, I guess, would be my final thoughts that I would have about writing a community that it's important and I hope people may be inspired by this to who haven't you know as yet formed a writing community to start to think of ways for themselves in order to reach out and begin that process wonderful thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us about writing community Rowan well thank you so much for having me and and for this wonderful conversation I greatly appreciate it so that was my interview with the lovely Rowan McCandless. Rowan mentioned in our conversation four different intentional ways she works in community with writers. The first is she's in two one-on-one -on -one writing exchange groups, meaning she and another writer exchange work and they give each other feedback on that writing. I'm imagining that she met them in a writing workshop. They clicked and they enjoyed each other's writing. And then she has 
two two individuals, but she's she's sending work to that individual, and then they're sending the work back. So it's this one on one way, and it's a great way to, you know, hone in on the people that you really click with if you are in a writing workshop, and you can you understand. Oh, they they get my work, they get what I'm doing here, and vice versa, and we can exchange pages. The second intentional way that Rowan connects with the writing community is in an accountability group. Now, I believe most of the members of this group met in my course, the Let Mag Love course, which is very thrilling for me. But what is an accountability group if this term is new to you? I'll just explain that it's a group that checks in regularly about writing goals. And it can be a sounding board for new ideas about what to do next to kind of keep moving the needle on your on your writing career. But more often, it's a place for each writer who will state their goals aloud and then return to the next meeting to report on whether they did the things they said they would. There's something really powerful about saying what you're going to do and then coming back to be asked by your peers, did you do it? It's very helpful and a lot of writers really benefit from that external accountability. The third way that Rowan connects intentionally with writing community is she does one-hour writing meetups where writers get together to simply write. I'm understanding that most of this is being done online, probably all of it right now. This is a really great way to get your butt in your chair and and just simply write. And it's a really low-pressure way to start meeting with other writers. You don't need to know or like each other's work. You definitely don't need to read each other's work. The practice is just sitting there being present to your writing. You simply hold space for each other to practice writing. The fourth and final item on Rowan's list of ways that she connects intentionally with her writing community is an in-person writing group. Now, clearly, those have gone online, as she said, in the COVID era, but an in-person writing group is probably the most familiar to most writers out there. It's the kind of group where you meet regularly to discuss pages of your writing. You might do it on a rotating schedule. I was in a wonderful group where we did that. And we also shared food, so it was delicious and very incentivizing to show up. And this is, um, again, something done in person. But nowadays, people are doing this online as they're waiting for it to be safe to meet again. For writing instructors listening, and I know you're out there, I also thought she made a great point about how finding opportunities to meet face-to-face, and that might be screen face-to-screen-face these days, helps to knit a community and bring them together. For me, because I've always taught online, this has meant using Zoom for video calling and Slack for private text threads of communication. And if you weren't familiar with these tools before 2020, I'm guessing you most likely know them all too well right now. My sense is that these tools help Rowan feel like there's little difference between her in-person writing community, the people who live in her city, and the online community of people like myself who she's never met in person before. You can find Rowan McCandless online at rowanmccandless.com and take a look at the About page on her website that really stymied me in the introduction. And finally, you can find Rowan's debut book of innovative essays, Persephone's Children, out from Dundurn Press and in bookstores. And I encourage you to support your local bookstore with curbside orders. That will be out in September 2021. Thank you, Luminous Writer, for listening to the Write, Publish, and Shine podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, 
If you gleaned something about writing community that you found helpful, and if you wanted to find a way to reach out to other writers about writing community, I would encourage you to send the episode and let other other writers that in your community or other writers you wish were in your community know about the episode. You can share it with them, or you can rate and review all the usual stuff that podcasts ask you to do that really does help other writers find the podcast. Join our game of book club bingo this summer. Learn more and sign up at rachelthompson.co slash book club.